Hello and welcome to Golazo, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how are you today? Yeah, good. Uh, although Mexico, we're doing a little bit off topic today, aren't we, Bryce? Because stuff happened last night and not so much <laughs> has happened in Liga MX, but a lot happened in the CONCACAF qualification and um, well, Mexico did his part in that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, I, well, I suppose a lot happened around the world last night with the uh, final qualifiers uh, happening for the World Cup. But yeah, we're obviously going to focus on uh, things like closer to, um, well, America and uh, and Mexico. And yeah, um, obviously we knew going into this that uh, Mexico had, had already qualified. Osario had done his job. Uh, the side had done its job and yeah, quite comfortably uh, came through that group. Um, not so good for the US, for the rivals. The other side that, um, well, I suppose anyone uh, anywhere, anywhere we would have expected Mexico and the US to probably cruise through uh, the hex, as they, as they call it. And it's come as a bit of a shock that the US uh, team have failed to do so. Uh, so I, I think we'll touch a little bit uh, on, on Mexico, but I, I think I think that's definitely a, a topic that we need to touch on in talking about the, the US men's national team, as, as they call it, or like to hashtag it. Um, but yeah, Manu, obviously uh, the two games, let's touch uh, briefly on uh, El Trey. Uh, the two games seen uh, them face um, Trinidad and Tobago, which... Um, they went 1-0 down too, but then came back to win 3-1 with their, with a goal from that guy, uh, very much on form, uh, Chucky Lozano. And yeah, that obviously set them off uh, in a good way. And nobody was uh, expecting Trinidad and Tobago to do very much where they turned and Tobago were bottom of the group. And yeah, Manu, th- this was kind of, um, well, as everyone would have expected. Yeah. Yeah. Although they left it a little late, right? Um, started scoring in the 78th and then in the 88th and then in the extra time, four minutes extra time, Herrera made it 3-1, um, which is, of course, the the result that, that we expected from from Mexico um, against against Trinidad and Tobago. Um, they, they did not convince many at this um, hexagonal or the hacks as they call it, qualifying. And, um, yeah, I guess I kind of have to, I have to swallow some of these words because the three TNT did play a major role on match day 10. Um, but we'll get to that in a moment, won't we, Bryce? Yes, they very much did. And we, we will close in on that in, in a moment. So as we said, Mexico left a little bit late. Um, Rosario will be. Uh, I'm very happy about uh, picking up the three points in that game. But um, in their last game, um, instead of it being a, a good ending or a very satisfying ending, I mean, we're, we're kind of or we're, we're nitpicking, really. Uh, Mexico lost to Honduras uh, away, 3-2. Uh, um, but I, I suppose as a whole, you know, it, it, it would have been fantastic for El Trey to win that game and for Sario, but... But yeah, I mean, it, it's been a it's been a, a rather pleasing uh, qualifying campaign, and I think now Sario can uh, can focus on um, on the World Cup and what he can possibly uh, do there. Isn't that right? 
Yeah, and you know it's been actually a good campaign. In t- ten games, um, they didn't quite do it like the Germans with a goal differential of what did the Germans have forty three to four? Uh, it was something yeah. crazy high. Um, you know, as Bruce Arena said, one of those hotshot European teams. Uh, he wanted and wanted. He alluded that they may not do as well in the hex. Well, I'm not so sure about that. But, anyways, um, yeah, they did quite well. I I thought you know six six wins, three draws. Uh, one defeat. Listen, the, the Hex is a difficult World Cup qualification group. And um, the reason for that is is because some of the countries that you're playing away at, um, you have real home and away games. Um, something that you really don't have in Europe as much is the, there is a huge difference between, you know, playing on one of the Caribbean islands or playing in Honduras or in Panama away. And, those are very difficult places to go away to. I mean, I, I told you the stories about the old Saprissa Stadium in in San Jose, Costa Rica, right? And it's very similar for for other stadiums in in the in the Concacaf. Honduras is a dreadful place to go. It's a very difficult place to go. We're talking about a place where a stadium where it's where it's literally dangerous to go as a visitor, and um, you have dogs running on the field and. You have real, um, you have missiles thrown onto the field. It's, it's, um, football from the old ages, something that we don't really have in Europe anymore. And that's something that I think that you have to keep in mind when you go, when you go playing, um, in, in this qualification group. So, uh, I, I, I can see some of these illusion. And the, the thing is too, Costa Rica have a good side. Panama have a good side. Honduras have made the World Cup in the past too. So I think, um, given all of that, Mexico did okay. And, um, you know, with the, the Trinidad and Tobago game, yes, it took some time until they got the job done, but price, they had ball possession of 67%. You know, total shots and goal was 24 to eight, um, eight to four shots on target. When you look at the passes, 476 passes to 234 with a pass accuracy of 88%. I mean, those are crazy numbers. Yeah, fantastic numbers. And I suppose with the side that they put out, they were looking to get a, a victory and uh, to go into the weekend, uh, the international break, um, and finish off their World Cup uh, qualification on uh, very much a high. Obviously, um, the second game didn't quite go as planned, but um, you have to say that they, they did rotate some of the squad. But uh, I suppose we will get to the to the US all all in good time and the what way the uh, table finished. But uh, I still feel that they put out a side good enough to beat Honduras. But I suppose Honduras with that home advantage, you know, may, maybe that was uh, made all the difference really. I mean, it it was a game that Mexico did have more shots. You know, they did have more ball possession. You know, but um, it, it was a rather close one, and that's reflected in the score. I suppose, <laughs> Manu, is is this where we we go on? Because it's it's hard to almost talk about these games with the the sides that we're playing and not mm. express what exactly happened then um, over the weekend. So let's let's talk about. Um, well, before things, the way things finished, uh, we obviously mentioned uh, in previous uh, uh, podcasts that um, the U.S. weren't exactly getting it all their way, but we kind of suspected that they would get over the line in the end. Um, so obviously the, the top four get through to, to a certain degree uh, with the top two going through. And then you've 
well, top three, sorry, going through, and then the fourth one goes to the playoff. We all kind of expected that the United States would probably go third or maybe even that playoff if things didn't exactly go their way. So that so they ended up absolutely smashing uh, Panama, didn't they, on Friday? That that was a four nil victory, an absolute drubbing. They they couldn't be happier with that. And all they needed going into the final game uh, against uh, Trinidad and Tobago uh, was a draw. The team that were bottom of the uh, group, uh, they they you know they'd only won one game in nine. Nobody had um, give them even a chance, and they thought the the US were going to go out on a high uh, and really go at them. That didn't quite pan out, did it, uh, Manu? With uh, Trinidad and Tobago going two 0 up after uh, thirty seven minutes, and then uh, a, well, I was going to say a late consolation, but a second half consolation by uh, that man Pulisic, who um, was on absolute uh, fire for the US. But uh, I mean, this this is a, a colossal. Uh, a disaster, really. I mean, they've finished fifth. They feel for the, to go to the World Cup since 1986. Uh, that meant that obviously Honduras beating Mexico and you know pa- Panama beat uh, Costa Rica, who were in second. Probably two results that nobody would have expected. But um, I, I, I just, just uh, I've lost for words, really. I don't think anyone really called this, and I've seen a lot of people speak online over the weekend. Uh, on appear on on podcasts as I mentioned to you, um, Manu. Nobody thought that they would lose to Trinidad and Tobago. You know, nobody thought they'd even draw with Trinidad and Tobago. I, I mean, what what exactly has happened here? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, what's exactly happened here? Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, we, we talked about this, didn't we? Um, I think the best way to put it is like this. Um, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> this yeah. is Tyler Twelman. What are we doing? Um, I'm of course not American, and I think that is stunt is the word that you get from the people that I know that are close to the U.S. team. The people that have, I mean, I, I, I've been outspoken on what happened. Um, on U.S. soccer, because I feel it's we have very many of the the same issues in, in Canada than the U.S. has, mainly because we use um, we use some of the same principles when it comes to youth development, and these principles are obviously not working. Now, I think to maybe unravel the what everything that happened last night is the most important thing, because um, as you mentioned, a draw would have been enough. For, for the United States, right, to, to get, um, to get through simply because they had the best goal differential. And, um, what are we doing is the right word because, you know, no disrespect, but to Trinidad and Tobago, but this is a team that you need to beat and even get a draw. And Tyler Dwarman, he's, he says it quite well. He's, you know, he said, um, there were all these excuses. That the U.S. national team fielded, and you know, from the the boggy field to the wide field to all that stuff, you have this stuff going on in Europe. You know, when you go to Bosnia and they played a, a game on a field that shouldn't have seen uh, professional football being played on, that's reality of life. You know, both sets of players have to play on this, and I think it's also when you when you look at the the, the way this game unraveled going into this, I mean. Literally, they could have even lost this game 
if Honduras and Panama had lost their games and they were both playing Mexico and Costa Rica. So I guess what we need to do is really look at this um, from three different perspectives. The, the, the way it all started was, of course, this horrible own goal by Gonzalez who plays uh, for, for Pachuca, right? Uh, in the 17th minute and then a shot by uh, Jones and I have no idea. Tim Howard, they were saying impossible shot to save, all that kind of stuff. I'm sorry, I, I disagree. That ball was traveling for a long, long time. And um, Tim Howard is an experienced goalkeeper. He's a goalkeeper who played in the Premier League for Everton. And an experienced, world-class goalkeeper has that shot. He saves that. So that was the second goal. At that point, it wasn't really lost because... Um, everything was going for the States. Uh, Costa Rica had taken the lead in the 36th minute. Mexico had retaken the lead in the 37th. Um, so, you know, they were up 1-0 and 2-1. And I, I think what really happened is then in the second half is that, you know, US, they, they of course scored through Pulisic, who was the only player on that team that is anywhere near the level required um, to be on in a World Cup. Um, and that's a, maybe a story by itself. And um, they were not able to build on that goal by Pulisic. And then in the other stadiums, everything was going wrong for them. Torres scored a goal. We have to talk about that goal, don't we, Bryce? Because that Torres goal for Panama that made it 1-1 in uh, Panama at the Estadio Roma Fernandez wasn't a goal, was it? No, I mean, it, it was kind of crossed in, wasn't it, towards the back post and rather, well, it was a bit of a thumble, wasn't it? It, it kind of bounced off his, his back, I think, or or maybe maybe even his, his thigh. Uh, it went goalwards, it went towards uh, you know, the, the back post and it was stopped by the defender, uh, stopped dead practically. Mm. And I, I, you know, me watching the uh, live footage, obviously I was aware of this when it was happening. Um, I, w- I watched it back, but you know it was in real time. Um, I didn't even think it crossed line. I thought, wow, he's done well to keep that off. But the the referee blew it up and yeah, give that. So it's very unfortunate that if you're for the US that that's went against them. Uh, but sometimes these things do and. You know, you have to take sometimes fate and luck into your own hands. And by losing to Trinidad and Tobago, you know, give them very little chance or it's set up for the other teams to to take advantage of the situation. So, um, yeah, I, I, I totally think they got unlucky with that. But, you know, I, I think they, they should have been beating Trinidad and Tobago by yep. quite a few. And That's CONCACAF, Price. That's CONCACAF. Mm-hmm. It's a game in Panama. You know, it's um, a loud herring crowd. It's, it's um, the rules are a little bit different when you play away. That's what I mean. Away games still exist. And of course, the referee is going to give that, right? <laughs> Quite possibly, yeah. But I, I, I suppose it's it's a it's a it's a hard pill for the US to take that one. But uh, I think this maybe points towards that there's there's many an issue wrong rather than just an off day to uh, Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, I mean, the, the fact that the US have been involved since uh, 1986, or or you know, for that long, it, it, I suppose does say that you know they they have been a regular at these tournaments and that's uh, something in their credit because 
for a long time uh, and even at the at the moment i suppose you know soccer is is not their main sport with likes of uh, mexico um britain i suppose you know and so germany as well you know that that is our main sports uh unless i'm, I'm very wrong i don't know something but you know I, I suppose that this is a, a a bit of a hit for them, but we, we've seen them improve over the last few years. I mean, our previous tournaments, you know, they, they've always looked pretty impressive. You know, they always talk about that. I know it's corny to say, but that team spirit, you know, has always been there, and they've always played pretty well. I mean, they played really well against uh, Belgium uh, last time out. You know, in the World Cup, I I thought that was a fantastic game, and I almost wanted them to win it. You know, I always like the underdogs to do it, but yeah, I mean. The, the, you look at the qualification, and really, the the teams that they're coming up against, they should be beating those teams all day long with the the amount of numbers that they've got in their nation and the amount of money, you know, the amount of resources. I mean, this is a this is a country that loves sport and invests highly in sports. I I don't know what, what exactly's went wrong. I mean. Yes, you can look back at when Jurgen Klinsmann was in, uh, someone that you'll be a little bit for, mm. more familiar with, uh, Manu. But um, you know, obviously he's had times at Bayern Munich, and you know, and then he went over here. But it seemed like he was he was trying to create something. I I feel for them, you know, uh, was looking to bring players across from from Europe and that, and and then they went. Almost, I feel anyway. They took a step backwards with uh, Bruce Arena. They went back to where they were before this, and it, yeah. it's just it's really backfired on them. I think that hits the nail on the head. They went backwards with Bruce Arena. Look, Jurgen Klinsmann was by no means a perfect coach. Tactically, his decisions sometimes made no change, to no sense, and. I can see why people in the US criticized him, but the reality is that things have gotten worse since he's left, not better. And Klinsmann was uh, to a large part pushed out by the USSF and MLS. MLS played a major part in this, Major League Soccer, because he was criticizing the system. He was criticizing the way youth, youth development worked in the United States. He was criticizing the way MLS um, as a pyramid, as a soccer pyramid, was operating in the United States. And there was a famous press conference where he pointed out many of the issues that were wrong and it got him fired. And the thing is, I think that um, that was a mistake and it's because of politics. You know, there were certain interest groups that are involved in Major League Soccer. They believe that the, the league can operate the same way as the, the other leagues do in North America, not understanding that, you know, the other leagues are successful because they don't compete with other sport, with other leagues around the world. Now, soccer is not a microcosm. You know, you can't just build a league and believe, think that your system is going to work. It's going to be superior when there's other leagues all over the world working on a different principle that has worked for, and we're not talking decades we're talking a century and a half you know in some cases and that's something that they don't understand that if you want to build um the sport on a healthy footing you need to have a pyramid you know you have to have teams on the top that are supported by teams in the bottom where again are supported by teams in the bottom and that way you spread the game around the country now mls the way they do it with the franchise system that's going to be limited to what 28 teams around the country now the country is too big for that you know, you need to have 
um, you need to, you, the better way to do it is to say, well, okay, MLS is full now with 20 teams. And this is what the Japanese did. They, they filled up their top division and then they started opening franchises for the second division. They filled up the second division. Once the two top divisions were full, they said, okay, now we're bringing in promotion and relegation, right? And then while they were doing that, they were already building a third division, you know, and, and that way they spread the game all around the country. And then they allowed teams from the lower divisions to rise up, be innovative and challenge the teams on the top. Now, what you have now of MLS is a, it's a closed shop and a closed shop means that you're not, you're not never forced to be innovative. Heck, you can have a team in MLS that makes money for you. And this is really what North American sports is about. It's about making money because that's what the franchise system is. That's, that's why. Uh, English Premier League teams um, are so concerned about their American owners because they come in, they see it as a money-making proposition, not understanding that it's not a closed shop, right? MLS is supposed to be in that kind of framework. Now, the problem is that if you're a team and you're making money, you're not forced to make sporting innovation, right? Because the, the product will create you cash for you as an owner. And I think that kind of model for growing the game is an issue, and there's other issues, of course. There's the, the number one issue for me is pay to pay to play in the US. So when you play in Germany for a club, um, you go to Bayern or you go to any other club, um, in, in many of the many teams that exist and within the, the football pyramid, you pay a membership fee. That membership fee is anywhere between 30 and maybe a hundred euros a year. Here in North America, if you want to play for any team, you can, your lowest costs a year will be $800. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but if you, um, an immigration family coming to North America, you know, every dollar counts and you, you basically, you cut out all these, these kids that can't play. If you want to play for an academy, Bryce, so if you want to play for the white caps, you sometimes have to shell up to $2,000 a year. Now, if you're, if you are a Latino coming to new to this country, those 200, those $150 a month, that's the difference between, you know, that can be the, a huge difference for a family that doesn't have a lot of money. Uh, do you think they're going to send their kids to an academy? Probably not, right? So you're already alienating that huge group of kids that can't play because of pay to play. So there's, there's a huge amount of, of problems. And I think I'm just touching on a few of them, but, um, Klinsmann addressed all these things and they didn't like it. So they got rid of him and they hired a dinosaur. And that dinosaur failed them, failed to get them to a World Cup. And I think that is um, something that they have to really look hard and long at. And um, and it's not just the, the United States and Canada. We we have exactly the same problems. And that's why I think this is going to be very interesting to watch. Yeah, I think you you made many an interesting point there. Um, I suppose if you look at the Japanese league, as as you mentioned, uh, I mean we've got someone rather close to us and Ollie, and uh, the work he does, um, different scouting and that. He was telling us that you know some of his colleagues, their life is spent um, scouting the the third division of Japan. I mean that that would never happen in the U.S. I mean that there's there's not even a league like that you know so obviously they've they've got that foundation as you said um i mean mexico that we talk about all the time we always say that it's a failure that the second uh division the second tier the senior you know that uh, it's so hard for these teams to progress and come up but they still have one that's you know a league that's you know consistently has players getting games so it's better you having it that way and uh, players getting experience then maybe moving their way up 
Um, the U.S. R- really struggles. It seems like you've got that high end uh, and that and there's not much below that, you know, that, yes, there's, there are other clubs, but it, it's it's I suppose something that's going to take time. It's going to take investment. And yeah, I, again, maybe with these um, with these academy costs, as you said, you know, it, it's ruling out different players being able to come through you. I mean, another example is we, we look at um, Uruguay, a team that's always at the World Cup, you know, and always producing such great players, you know, the likes of Cavani, you know, and Suarez. And I remember the story, um, Luis Suarez, um, originally when he was uh, called up, I think, to, to play for uh, Uruguay when he was a young kid, his family were that part that they couldn't afford boots, so he had mm. to turn down the opportunity. Do you think, a, you know, a player like that, then in the in America is ever going to get the opportunity to play for these uh, academy sides where you've got to have your Nike trainers on and you've you've got to have your whatever else you know I'm paying eight hundred dollars a year I mean just no chance you know and it's it's a very awkward situation and it's making it very hard for anyone coming through obviously and I I think we see different parallels uh, around the world in different nations trying to uh, progress. Uh, and, and further themselves. Obviously, the aim is always to win the World Cup. I do believe that the U.S. will do it one day, but I think it will be uh, quite a way off. And Germany, obviously, uh, Manu, things weren't looking so good. Uh, well, how many years ago? And and now you know the rifle players. We talked on the uh, Gega Press and uh, podcast that they've practically got four squads. You know that could well go far in the tournament, if not win the World Cup. England are a side that's. Um, or have been lacking for some time and they're always looking at following Spain or Germany's uh, plans and, and trying to get there and really it comes down to the league doesn't it that's mm. that, that's what it boils down to and I suppose the Premier League the, the issue that they may have is they've got so much money that they're investing in foreign players and then the English players are being lost Mm-hmm. And possibly in the MLS, with all the money going on, I can imagine that you're bringing in with the likes of even though the fantastic players, the likes of a 37-year-old uh, Perlo, then yeah. it's going to knock somebody out of a side that's maybe 21, 22, 23 or whatever, and that's at a detriment. They need to change their philosophy of being, I think, uh, well, being a, a league of not old veterans and bringing it in to try and attract you know, viewing figures, where's Cannavaro now, um, and it's people like this. And they really, they, they need to start working, you know, from, from the ground up. Yeah, I think you bang on there, Bryce. Like, look, um, we have we have a perfect example. We have two examples, actually. We have one example of a super talent that was made by MLS, and that's Freddie Adu. We all know what happened to him. And then we have another example, US superstar, who is going to be an amazing superstar, and that's that's Christian Pulisic. No, but where was Christian Pulisic made? You know, he he joined Borussia Dortmund in 2015, um, and that's you know that's that's now almost three years ago when he was 16. MLS did not produce Christian Pulisic. The Bundesliga did, and this is something that the the big hats in the MLS are going to hate to hear. But the, the fact is that the United States' biggest superstar. Is a Croatian kid who had the opportunity to go and play in the Bundesliga. Now, that is not the American dream. The American dream is supposed to be that you can make it big in the United States. 
Now he made it big because he is a U.S. citizen, but he did not make it big in the United States. And that is something as major league soccer, as the league progresses. And I, I am personally someone who follows that league very closely. And I think there is a lot of merit to the league. And I think the league has the potential to become a big league if it's done in the right way. And I think that building the league in the slow way with the salary cap and all that structure, a lot of that makes sense, but it cannot become like the other big leagues in North America. It simply won't work. And the reason for that is quite simple because it's not a microcosm. It operates outside of the microcosm. Look, the, the two of us, this part is usually about Liga MX, right, Bryce? And what, what happens to MLS teams when they come to up against Liga MX teams? They lose. And why do they lose? Mm -hmm. Because Liga MX teams, um, although re promotion relegation is a weird convoluted system in, in Mexico, it still exists, which means that teams, we, we talk a lot about Atlas right now, right? A team that has to both struggle to make the, the, the playoffs, but also fight against relegation. Now that will give you an entirely different mentality. But in the US, I mean, I, I have, we've seen now a few teams play in Vancouver and we, we, we interviewed some of the players that play in MLS. If they don't make the playoffs, they're still relaxed about it because they know they're not going to get relegated. Now, is that going to produce a player that can fight adversity? No, absolutely not. You need to be able, you know, sometimes you just need to be able to fight for your life. And that means in soccer, that means against relegation. And if they don't have that, they're never going to learn in MLS. Now, they're going to learn it abroad. But how often will you have a Pulisic come through a Bundesliga you know, through a Bundesliga development side. It's not going to happen every time. It's not definitely not going to be often enough that, um, you know, it will, it will produce a world class team. Unless the US wants to become something like Turkey, you know, Turkey relies almost exclusively on talented players that failed to make it in Germany. But I don't think that is their standard. So I, I think they have to really look at this and look at Germany, maybe, um, but also maybe closer by at Mexico and Japan and um, maybe just change the philosophy. Everything needs to change now for them. The entire system, everything needs an overhaul. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think this is an opportunity to, to change things. And yes, uh, I suppose there's going to be big nations don't make World Cups, don't make competitions. They, did, they maybe don't do very well. They underachieve. But uh, I mean, with as we said, with their qualifying and and the amount of money you know in that country and the size of it, there's Over absolutely a billion dollars price have been invested in youth academies. I mean, there's there's no excuse, is there? You know, um, and that's that's why, as we said, the likes of Frank Lampard coming over there and then paying bucket loads of cash, TV viewings might go up, but at the end of the day, is it going to do anything for you? You know, your national side. No, it's really not, and it it does it speaks volumes as you said about uh, Pulisic uh, being brought up at Dortmund. It, it seems like a lifetime since he's been there, mm. and you know, and he's still such a young age. And I I think somebody was saying that he has he scored something like um, twenty five to thirty percent or something of their goals in the yeah. campaign. I mean, that's that it's just madness. The difference is when when we look in Mexico uh, and we look at El Trey. Yes, they have a few spots we've we've talked about they they may not have you know maybe wing backs 
you know, of uh, quality that they would like, and maybe the centre backs, you know, are a little bit iffy at times. But you look at how much options they've got up top. They've got they're rife, you know, with uh, attacking options. U.S. really don't have many strengths uh, in any areas. Mm. Uh, Manu, the, there's um. There's a few people saying that uh, with uh, Bruce Arena uh, coming in, that he he liked to pick players that are based more so in the MLS, uh, and some some people would probably probably like that. They're you know the hometowns or whatever, but uh, I mean their their biggest stars, you know, uh, quite often are across the water. I mean. I mean, even if we look at a guy who's uh, struggled to, to be in the squads, which uh, you might be familiar with at Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, is uh, Timmy Chandler. And he, he's really struggled to get in at right back, but he's playing Bundesliga football. Um, surely Bruce Arena has taken them in the backward step by not looking all around the world and seeing who's, who's coming up. Uh, yeah, and Timothy Chanter, he's one of those foreigners, right? Born and raised in Germany. And, um, you know, was brought in by Klinsmann because he played in the Bundesliga. Uh, is, is a few examples like that. Fabian Johnson, of course, another one in 1860 product, born and raised in Munich. And, um, didn't, didn't quite make it for, for Germany and decided to play for the United States. And, um, I mean, to some extent, uh, Bobby Wood is, of course, a, dot, a hugely different story, but he come he came through 1860 Youth Academy as well, joined at a very young age and um, made it made his way to the Bundesliga that way. And um, it's a touchy subject. Bruce Arena, I think he called them the foreigners at some point. You can't call up all these foreigners and um, and hope that they guide you to the World Cup uh, because they lack patriotism or something like that. And I don't have the exact quote in my head. Well, Bruce, that didn't quite work out, did it? Um, the patriotic guys didn't secure it either. It's it's a complicated one, uh, and I think uh, there's there's a lot of things playing into this. And um, but for me, I think the 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 big one, the big two are when it comes to development and to the, the, the youth player production um, you have to look at pay to play it can't be that a kid pays two thousand dollars to play in academy that, that can't be right you know the academy should be paying him not the other way around um, and um, given the money that mls has uh, that should be entirely possible the other thing is the structure of mls itself it needs to change and i think um you know to guide this maybe a little bit back to to league mx um, League MX is looking at eliminating promotional relegation. I think that that would be a massive mistake. Uh, promotional relegation needs to be very much on the table for Major League Soccer. I think this is a wake-up call that the league needs it. NASL is actually um, suing um, MLS right now. This this is the second one of the second divisions. There's actually two second divisions labeled as second divisions by USFF, uh, USSF, and uh, there's a lawsuit going on because FIFA actually says that you have to have promotion and relegation in your league pyramid. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out and maybe um, the, the USSF will be forced to force MLS to make a change. I'll be really curious to see how that works out. But Bryce, there's a lot of question marks. I mean, one of the other question marks is, of course, um, you mentioned this, money, television money. What will happen now with the growth of the game in, in North America? 
Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, say it was it was almost a, a joke at one stage that um, Fox Sports uh, they said that they um, they would have uh, have a bit of a well a bit of a hangover, you know, if the uh, if the US weren't at the World Cup. Uh, they even said it would be two hundred a million pound or a million dollars, shall I say? Um, and I mean, the, this this is massive for them, you know. It's I mean, the World Cup will be watched. All around the world, it all it always will. It will be watched in the U.S. But the fact that they're not there, then you know that's going to be a detriment. You know, it's it's going to cost them an awful lot of well, an awful lot of viewing figures, and that for therefore cost them in in commercial value. And yeah, they're going to suffer in that way. They Fox Sport paid out roughly five hundred million dollars for the rights to the World Cup in twenty eighteen and twenty two, and yeah, without them being there, then then they suffer as well and it, it's everyone suffers with this it, it just seems to to be a, a, a massive failure and as you said man I, I think there's not just one area it's not just um like i would love to say who do you think should come in uh for bruce arena a foreign manager or a homegrown one uh, or coach should we say uh, but it's it, it's just not even as simple as that you know there's there's so many areas that need to to change and we, we love talking about the German League on the on the Gegenpressen pod. We love on this pod talking most of the time uh, about uh, Mexican football and we're we're always happy to talk about the feelings you know of the leagues and how they could be better. And yeah, I, th- I think this the, 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 there's major major um, changes that have to uh, have to go on really, but. Um, yeah, I suppose we might talk about Mexican football again because <laughs> this this is going to go on for a little while, and um, I'm sure there are some El Tre fans out there that are are very happy that their nearest and dearest rivals, uh, the US, are not going to be there. But um, we will not uh, will not exactly be uh, those people saying that. Um, I I I think it's it's good for the world that the US are in there as well as they're such a big nation and uh, I would say that um, hopefully they'll be able to sort things out and they'll be able to produce more players like Christian Pulisic. But let's talk about um, well Liga MX coming back this weekend. And I, I suppose the game of the weekend is going to be Cruz Azul taking on Club America. As you said uh, before we came on here, uh, Manu, you described it as the big Mexico City derby. Uh, what way do you see this one going? Oh, this is this is uh, this is going to be interesting. Uh, the Clásico Joven, of course, right? Um, this is going to be for the first time in a long time, I one that's going to be a bit more difficult to call. Bryce, because Cruz Azul have done well. And, um, I mean, the Cruz Azul, I know we've made fun of you plenty. And <laughs> because you, you were jokingly saying that they will do well this year. And they, <laughs> they have. They had to eventually. They had to eventually. But this, I mean, this is such a fascinating game, you know, because. Um, this is this is a big derby since um, you know the 1970s, really. Um, then with uh, La Machina, of course, uh, being being a top team back then in the 70s and 80s, and really challenging Club America, and um, you know this being a huge game, bigger than the the other derby in Mexico City, which involves 
of course, or the other two derbies in Mexico City, city between Cruz Azul and Pumas or Club America and Pumas. This is, this is the big one, right? And, um, yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to it. And I think it's, it's going to be a hard one to call, right? Because we have a challenger and that's great. Yeah, most certainly. I, I think it's it's only a good thing for the league as well that, you know, Cruz Azul we are one of the sides that's, um, well, we always talk about the big four, uh, but there was plenty of people also speaking that Cruz Azul have done so poorly over the years that they reckon that they're probably not one of the big four um, anymore. And I, I think it's a healthy thing. So obviously, Cruz Azul have only lost once in the league up to this stage. Uh, they've played 11 games. Yes, they've got quite a few draws. And America, after starting a little bit slowly uh, with the return of Herrera, uh, have, have got going again. But if we, if we actually look at head-to-head as you know, these teams have played, uh, Cruz Azul have not beat Club America in the last five, and Cruz Azul haven't kept a clean sheet in the last five. It's all very well looking at stats like this and going, oh, well, then it's got to be uh, Club America. But this year, Cruzol have been a, a much more efficient side, a side that we've talked about, you know, Paco you know, Jimenez. Um, well, a lot of us thought that he would probably get the sack sooner or later, especially with his uh, rather con- controversial sayings in the press. But mm-hmm. he's, he's actually building the foundations of a good side there. They've added a few strikers this year, and yeah, they're, they're getting a few goals, and... Yeah, I suppose talking about the coaches, it, it, this could be a real you know fireworks uh, on the sideline, couldn't it, with these two? Yes, and the two teams are only two points apart in the standings. That's that's I think another really interesting fact. Yeah, you know, sixth against uh, second. It's not only a big game because of course um, because of it's the classical Joven, but it's also a big game because. Simply because it's actually two teams that are very much in the thick of the Liguella race going at each other. And it will be fascinating to watch this one because of that. And of course, uh, Cruz Azul was the last unbeaten side or it, the second last unbeaten side. Of course, we forget Monterey who have been uh, tearing apart the league. But, um, you know, a <laughs> Cruz Azul winners, they can jump up to second place, Bryce. Yeah, exactly. That I mean, that's obviously um, how close the the league is at the moment, and you know, a lot may change. But uh, we always say, don't rule out sides getting into the Liga. Uh, but yeah, Cruz is all. You know, they're they don't have that many more points to pick up before you would you would say that they'll. Well, that they'll they've more or less done it. They've more or less got in there. I I feel that they're going to be in the Liga anyway. But um, America, Monterrey, uh, and Tigres, they they'll all be there, won't they? But um, yeah, the things are are looking positive for them, and I think a win this weekend would, yeah, would just uh, edge them that bit closer, wouldn't it? Um, I think Manu, we've we've also got to talk um, about well, no, not so much uh, Santos uh, versus Atlas, but. Our Mars bar eating friend has scored over the weekend in a friendly against Club America. He may have lost, and we're talking about Ravel Morrison, um, all the way from from England to Vial Lazio. But um, yeah, he he scored a fantastic goal over the weekend, and yep, yeah, maybe maybe he'll just uh, bar. So we, we've seen him come off the bench for Atlas, and yeah, he looked okay. But uh, you know, th- this could um, 
this could really boost them, couldn't it? And I, I think a victory to Santos, um, who you know are, are sitting lowly down in a fifteenth. All of a sudden, you start thinking, well, maybe Atlas are going to be back challenging to be in the Ligue after their horrible patch after uh, Rafa Marquez and, and his uh, accusations. And he's apparently back in the side, so um, that's going to be an interesting one to follow as well. Yeah, look, Atlas have a game less because of the, uh, what was it, the scoreboard incident? <laughs> Remember that, Bryce? Yeah, uh, although that game only, is only in league MX. Although that game is against Tigers, so I don't think that's in a secured uh, three point by any means. But um, let's assume they get three points at that, and then they they actually all the way up in um, all the way up in eight spot. So you know it, it is tight; it's really tight. And then at the same time, you know we have to. It's still early, of course. The the relegation table does not really come into effect until the clausura, right? So uh, until we, we are closing out the season. But Atlas need points in order to fight off the relegation as well. So they need every point they can get. They are stuck there in the bottom together with Puebla, Atlas, Keretaro, Veracruz. This is going to be an interesting storyline for us in the spring, Bryce. I think that's something that we yeah. will keep an eye on as we get there because we'll have potentially four teams and two of them with deep, deep pockets um, in that relegation drop zone. And, you know, Kertaro, of course, they are a side that became famous when they brought in Ronaldinho. And they are, they're stuck in that uh, relegation uh, drop zone now. And they, of course, they're famous because they've been relegated in the past. And um, their solution for that was to simply buy the, the license of the team that got promoted. So, um, yeah, again, only Liga MX. Only Liga MX. That's, that's a very, um, very interesting way, interesting solution. But, you know, it's, it's, it's all, all so tight. And this is, this is what I love about Liga MX. So competitive. And yeah. I mean, we we had this happen last year, didn't we? Yeah. They, they they managed to go through to the gear and avoid relegation. That's how tight it can be. Yeah, definitely, and that's that's great. That's what we want. We want competitive football, and that's I think that's what attracts a lot of people to League MX, right? The fact that um, that you you don't know the results ahead of time. How often have we guessed results and we got it completely wrong? Oh. <laughs> it's 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 almost um an exercise well it's an exercise i like to get people to do you know out of my own entertainment but yeah it's 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 largely rather pointless isn't it you know i, I think there's many of leagues around the world where you can almost justify what way it's going to go yes not a hundred percent but some more so in league mx it's uh, it's most certainly hard work i i suppose as well another game that's going to be rather interesting we talked before the international break didn't we about that this could just disrupt monterey ever so slightly they've been so good up to this point but international breaks, um, winter breaks as well in other leagues, you know, they can come at a right time or a bad time for teams. And maybe Monterey, this will just play against. And they're going to be playing uh, Pachuca this weekend. So mm. so that's actually a pretty big game as well. And, yeah, Honda's looking better and better all the time for them. And, yeah, Pachuca, I think, um, will fancy maybe coming out of the traps rather strong and uh, taking this to Monterey. You know, Bryce, I think this is now a really telling time for Monterey. 
because we're seven, well, for them, seven games for the rest of the league, uh, six games away from the league away. And we've spoken so many times about getting hot at the right time, right? To, to get into the playoffs while you're on that top, top level. And this is now crunch time. Can they sustain the run, the, the strong start to the season? Can they sustain that? Not only leading up to the Ligoela, but into the Ligoela. And that's something that they have struggled with in the past. And you're quite right identifying this international break as a challenge. Maybe more so for Monterey, because if you're the team in Groove, uh, you, you send all these guys off to their respective national teams. They play there. Some of them make, don't, don't qualify for their, for the World Cup, right? And, um, they come back, um, traveled. They come back maybe with injuries and it's, it's a bit of, um, bit of a challenge, um, to sustain that run. Whereas with Pachuca, it's, it's a different story that those two weeks gives them, they had a, not, had not had a good start to the season and, um, lately have started picking up points. Those two weeks is like almost like a mini season preparation for them. And it really can give them the time to just find their legs, um, go on the drawing board figure out tactics, figure out how to integrate players. And I think that makes a huge difference. So it's it's an interesting one for me. Um, you know, Pachuca by no means are out of the playoff race. They're only three points behind Morelia. Um, we have seen many times in the past that things can change fast. And six games seems like not very much, but it's also a lot, right? Um, Pumas is a great example. who looked fantastic at this stage in the closure last year and then completely bottom out so um a lot can still happen and the other way around it mm-hmm. you know it was uh i suppose it was tigris yeah. you know who uh, almost didn't get to the and then they went on a run and they were they were un- unplayable you know in the Ligia right up until well until that final i suppose and especially the the second leg you know uh where they they managed to uh to blow it but yeah it, that's it this this run ends it's, it's going to be an interesting time for many of the clubs, obviously. But um, Monterey, we just talked about uh, they've got uh, Pachuca this weekend. Um, that's obviously going to be quite a tough one. If they can get a victory then, they they come up against Puebla and Pumas. And yes, they all have already qualified within these games uh, for the Ligia, but that will really put them on good stead. If they win this weekend, I think then they can go on to beat those teams with the confidence that they have. And I mean, you'd rather finish first or second, wouldn't you? Rather than, than lower down. And you know, you'd rather fancy playing Lobos, wouldn't you? Or Morelia, mm-hmm. you know, than, than taking on maybe the likes of Tigres or someone like that. So, so I, th- I think this, this is a big weekend for them. If they can get momentum, then yeah, I think they're going to go into the final few games strong and, and finish top and get a favourable draw then. So, yeah, there, there's plenty to play for either sides of the, of the league, really, in that way. But, um, yeah, I, I think that more or less does it. I'm, I'm sorry to anyone that's tuned in and thought, would they just stop talking about the U.S. men's mm. national team? But I think we needed to address that. We had, it was something that we needed to touch on, and especially when not too much uh, Liga MX news, um, apart from, obviously, Ravel Morrison, which we're always excited to report on. And your El, with Eltre already being uh, qualified. So uh, apologies if we're a little bit off topic today, but um, hopefully you enjoyed it as well. Just give you something to think about. Manu, what have you got going on um, the next few days? And what would you like to draw people's attention to? Yeah, um, 
Yeah, the Champions League and Europa League previews, of course. I'm um, Tim and I are going to cover the Vancouver Whitecaps game. Um, speaking of MLS, uh, was a big topic, I guess, for us today. A little bit off topic, but I think this, as you said, this is something we had to address. It is a big story, and it is in Concacaf. So I think we're we're just a okay covering this. Um, but yeah, I am at the MLS Vancouver Guidecaps game and big push towards the playoffs for them. You know, they are first in the league, uh, first in the West right now. And, um, the first two make it straight to the semifinals of the Western Conference. If you're confused about what I just said, that's okay. It's a bit of a different structure. Yeah. Um, I'll have to preview up on, on football Zidage soon. And, um, it will, will somewhat explain the, the harrowing differences between MLS and um, other league systems around the world. So um, that will be up and then we'll have some live coverage on from Sunday from the Vancouver Whitecaps game against San Jose. And um, yeah, the, the previous, the Champions League previews. And then a Bryce, of course, we're getting to that period now. Um, I'm heading to Europe in a month. So full on in the planning stages for Football Grad on Tour. Chris and I will be in many, many stadiums. I believe you will join us for some of the games. So um it's, yeah it's a definitely good, my plan yeah it's a good time to start the advertisement drums for that you know um so the football grad will be massively on tour um starting november mid-november we'll be covering i think there's 20 match days that we're covering in december from various stadiums yeah, it, around germany and europe so whew, that's something it, to look forward it's, to it's crazy it's almost the amount of games that you would expect yeah. on a world cup or an international thing you would games every day practically yeah. and it's, a, it's very exciting. I mean, obviously, there's going to be match previews, match reports. There's going to be live reporting. It's going to be minute by minute. Um, there's going to be live pods as well. We've mm-hmm. done that previously with the Gag and Press and podcast. And we're looking forward to, to doing that again. Um, obviously, you within in and around the stadiums, the press areas. Yeah, the, there's going to be, I suppose, interviews with different players and coaches. There's going to be so much coming your way. Um, so we we can only urge you to um, obviously stay in tune with it, yeah. with the website, but also with the Twitter page, and yeah, and and then hopefully one day we can book that trip to Mexico. That's all mm. I'm saying. <laughs> a that's, little bit easier. That's planned for the spring, Bryce. <laughs> yeah, good luck getting me over there. I suppose I've got wedding plans now, oh, haven't I? Yes, but, you do. Oh, no, <laughs> no. Maybe a honeymoon in uh, Mexico, eh? Oh, good luck. Nice. Good luck to me getting that one passed. Direct I think, flights but... from London to Mexico City. I'm just saying. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but uh, yeah, obviously uh, we're gonna have plenty uh, coming your way. If you enjoy the podcast, please um, head over to uh, iTunes. Uh, just um, give us some uh, positive words. Uh, maybe a good review. Uh, maybe a, a positive uh, rating as well. That we'd really appreciate that. But. Um, yeah, I would just say um, follow us um, Football Grand Live on Twitter and you'll get lots of stuff coming your way. Um, I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. No doubt I'll be tweeting about German and Mexican games over the weekend. Um, but yes, enjoy the games and we'll speak to you next week when we've got plenty of games to cover. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.